Yo, allow me to teach you a lesson in lyrical precision. Seen behind bars with so many scars. It's manifest. Yeah, I'm both county. Represent. This podcast. My name is Peter Agostin, your host, the producer of the show. As you already know, um, we have a pretty special one. Um, what can I say about this particular episode, this uh, particular person that I'm about to talk to here on the podcast? There's some stuff you might not be familiar with him unless you are from the Bay Area or even more so from Humboldt County or lived in the Northern California area region of Humboldt County, California, uh, in like the mid nineties through the mid two thousands. So I, I went to college there. I went to college at Humboldt state university. I got a degree in journalism there. It's a great department and a great college. So shout out to all my HSU alumni, all the lumberjacks out there that might be tuning in, especially for this particular episode. So my guest today is, uh, an artist, and a rapper performer that goes by Manifest, aka Pete Collins. So I met him very randomly when I was living out there. So this was, you know, probably I think I met Pete in 2001, and uh, I had already been DJing for many many years uh, uh, already, and um, had my label, the, the beginning stages of Female Fun Records during that period of time. And I was putting on shows and, and DJing around the area. And so I did my own thing. But we kind of connected and um, started. I started kind of backing him up uh, when he did his show. So I DJ for him. And uh, I dug him. I thought he was kind of a wild and crazy dude. And, and you know, I, I'm attracted to personalities of all kinds. And those personalities, uh, wilder, uh, uh, the wilder uh, tend to find me somehow. I don't know exactly, but me and Pete became friends and uh, we did a lot of shows together me backing them up. A lot of interesting and unique ones that can only really happen in like this part of California and, uh, this part of the, the country, I think. 
this very random mishmash of stuff. Shows with metal bands, shows at a Denny's, you know, community colleges, uh, DIY places, Italian restaurants, and then also, you know, we would we shared the stage with Damian Marley and Tone Loke and uh, uh, Sir Mix a lot and uh, many others. Uh, I, I I would I even. You know, there was a time when I DJ for Cypress Hill, and I think we also opened up one of those shows too. It's a, a period of time when Greg Mack, the historic LA DJ from K Day, lived in in Northern California for a brief period of time while I was there. So I don't want to go too much on a tangent in that regard, but our relationship first started through music and DJing and stuff. And then when I moved away, um, flash forward a little bit, I heard something that. You know, Pete got caught up in some sort of uh, mishap, a misadventure that went completely awry and essentially it was a caper. It was a heist in the casino. And I won't preface it too much because I would rather him describe uh, this in the conversation you're about to hear. And by the way, if this is your first time listening, this is my weekly podcast. It's called The House List. My name is Peter Goss. I'm the host and the producer of the show. Every episode is edited and engineered by CJ Stewart. In fact, I talked to CJ today for like two hours on the phone. We haven't had a, a good proper catch up uh, in a long time. So all the previous episodes, this is edited by him. So we do this together. So this is a guy I also met up in Humboldt during this period of time that I lived there. Me and CJ actually recorded lots and lots of music together as well. So we have a whole other history outside of this podcast too that only kind of like a select few people might really know. So anyway, this actual conversation, too, was recorded with the three of us in the Bay Area um, sometime last year. I think it was in the summer, and I've just been trying to find the right time to put it out. And as we approach, probably by the time I post this, on the SoundCloud page of The Houseless Podcast, which you can find backslash The Houseless Podcast, on soundcloud.com or if you got the soundcloud app we're at about 50,000 streams in total which is an amazing thing and i just want to shout out all the people that have listened and reposted thank you so much it's awesome and incredible and by you guys doing that it motivates me to keep doing this and doing more of them and then listen if you have people you think i should try to talk to on the show reach out to me let me know i'm open to ideas so um so yeah so back to this thing, uh, me and Manifest with CJ caught up in the Bay Area in a part of Oakland. I forgot what part in the cut. That's for sure. And uh, we recorded this conversation. It was late at night. I think I'd already recorded maybe two others during the time. It was it was during a, uh, a trip. I went specifically out to the Bay to catch up with old friends and record episodes. So we talked for a really long time so this is actually like even though this is a long episode this is an abridged version of our conversation and i will do a part two there's more to it um we cover a lot of ground but there's a lot more to the story and so manifest is an artist that you can't find his music on discogs it's not on itunes or spotify but he's put out maybe five or six albums um, I got them all, and um, they're all, you know, self-made, self-produced. He, you know, did everything, all the artwork and 
it's a true like kind of DIY thing. It's hip hop with like a mix of like, you know, it's just a style all of his own. It's if there's some reggae stuff going on, there's some very NorCal like Bay Area uh, influence, but but it's stylistically it's i can't really compare it to anything else and since i know the guy so well there's no way i can try to even correlate it with something else but nevertheless uh we have a lot of history and um so it makes this conversation all that much more mm, poignant in a way or certainly unique and it's not really like any other one i can think of for the most part that we've done here on the house list by the way i know i was trying to make this point earlier if this is your first time listening hey please subscribe you know or or tell a friend to tell a friend about it it's available on itunes uh, apple Podcasts, of course soundcloud like i mentioned and google play stitcher amongst many others so find it let people know there's a lot of really great ones i advise you to go back and check some out if you got some time this is a good one. This this episode right here will manifest. Um, episode 71. If you got like a long road trip or like a flight or uh, you're overdue for a long walk, this is something where you want to pay attention to. It's a pretty amazing story. So I'll kind of leave it at that. I, I don't like prefacing these things too much. So I want y'all to be able to listen because it involves a subject matter that uh, may be entertaining to some and it might not be as much for others. So I don't want to be as presumptuous to think that you might think this is cool because I don't condone uh, what he's talking about. But I do think there's a lot to learn from this. And I think he's grown tremendously uh, out of this whole scenario. And um, yeah. I mean, there's been some documentation. There's been some news articles from back in the day, um, you know, and I can assure you that this is a story that's never been told before, never from his uh, perspective and never at this kind of length either. And I think the statute of limitations at this point allows him to be able to talk about, you know, be- being arrested, uh, committing some, you know, no-no's. But I would call this a cautionary tale. It's one about addiction. It's one about taking matters into your own hands to a point where the ramifications, uh, it's only inevitable until they catch up to you. But if you're like, if you like going to Vegas and you like gambling and risking things, then you should listen to this because it might talk you out of some some moves that you you might not want to do um and pete's around to live to tell his tale and i think it's a great one i think he's a great storyteller so okay all right i've said enough let's get into this conversation with manifest here on the house list so it's a little tricky for me to try to figure out a way to uh you know uh broach this topic but (laughs) You like the gamble, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So I mean, I haven't I haven't really seen you that much in the last like probably ten fifteen years, ten years yeah, for sure. Yeah, decade right around there. It seems. Yeah, and um, part of that time you were, you know, <coughs> just not you were not available. Mm-hmm. You were you were away. Yeah. 
and um, but there's a you know complex story that comes along with that, and I I am fascinated by it because I know you because we uh, perform together so much. I know you and you know, and uh, yeah, I'm just um, would like to talk about this without trying to be too specific, but you went through some shit and like tried something out drugs <laughs> like do like maybe doing experiment well, that, with substance that well that probably plays a role in yeah it. yeah it, it was a silent passenger yeah for the whole experience yeah. or sometimes like the full um you know gas tank <laughs> yeah, it was the, the full fuel <laughs> yeah 100% fucking loaded to the the top okay question lit yeah. and blazing yes <laughs> forward yeah the, so uh, the drugs having fun being crazy experimenting in life turns into more of a routine in life right so that's where you know substance wise you know you get some fucking um you know diagnosis for like this broken that fractured or these things ripped and it's there forever you get pain sometimes you have you know debilitating pain and Man. Certain things like gunshots and face rebuildings and fucking fractured lumbar. And these types of injuries create so much pain that the average human at some point, if not properly rehabbed or caring for your body, will flare up and you'll have like re-injuries and you'll have so much pain, you know. And so I had some shit that was going on with my body and I took some prescription, uh, you know, Pills, uh -huh. painkillers, right. opiates. Yeah. yeah, and it worked. It just on sure. and got through with life, working, teaching, working, music, everything. Just you know, and then that wears you down over the course of like fifty, sixty hour weeks for months after months after years. Then the pain. Sometimes you don't get to get in, get your yoga. You don't get to go out, ride bikes. You don't get to climb mountains. You're in a you know, you're just in that hustle, money making zone. Right. So. so and that can turn into a glut, you know, like glut, you turn a rut. Full addict. addict. Yeah. Oh, but oh, yeah, yeah, you've turned into a full. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It yeah. it takes over into where that becomes the norm, and like you know, I mean, we've all heard exactly how people get hooked on drugs. Yeah, and it's... what people do is very extreme sometimes when they're on drugs. The funny thing is, this this tale, this moment, this phase or era, had nothing really actually to do with any kind of illegal substance um, whatsoever. I mean, not even a side passenger. The thing about drugs is um, just happening to, at one point in life, allow myself to make stupid folly fumble mistakes by being high um, or loaded or out of my own normal train of thought. Right. And that, in turn, was, yeah, substance. But obviously things like the topic and the issue, this, this, this what, heist is what you would call it? This job, this... Yeah, this bank. I mean, was no, there ever it, like uh, was there ever uh, publicly a, a word for it uh, in the papers? Like I, I think I've seen a couple like heist. It's a job, obviously a job. It's a job that you do. You fucking plan it out. You manage it. You fucking you know delegate and you get in. You obtain the task, do the duty, whatever it is, your goal, objective, and then you get out. And you fucking you know hands <laughs> wipe off the dust. Clock out, hit the road, have some R&R. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, but you don't really clock out. Because no, then, no. then you start really running pretty, yeah, you're right, pretty yeah. quickly. So if you do these jobs, like I refer to the job, this 
Uh, some may say lick or something. Um, but basically, yeah, like, um, you know, those are the words. You know, it's not like bur It's not robbery. There's no people involved that, you know, you'll have to, you know, um, bully or strong arm or threaten. Uh-huh. It's, it's kind of like, you know, anything I've ever done. Like maybe it's on the line of law breaking, or you know, definitely potentially in a lot of people's eyes, ethically unsound. But it's you know, I'm not like a, a Robin Hood, you know, steal from rich, give to the poor. But I'm also not like someone that's gonna take advantage of like people, like individuals, you know, people I know, or mom and pop stores, money workers. I am not one that's gonna you know take advantage of the the average layman. The yeah, us. I get it. I understand. Yeah. Mm. So, so. The, the the target here mm. wasn't like some individual or a, you know a small shop or something like that yeah it was a thing where you can find a lot of money yeah it's a casino yeah not okay yeah, not a bank heist it wasn't a bank robbery no, no. it's a casino okay I got it well I'm glad you laid that out it makes it easier for me <laughs> so yeah well I, I've never done I, I, like I said it was going to be a little hard for me to broach this topic because it's like here yeah yeah I mean it's, it's a, also it's, it's difficult as well to because it's not something you sit around and talk about all the time no I know and friends you, family and, people around it's, right and you just I mean we can yeah. talk about it as little yeah. or as much as mm-hmm. you want to I think that it it plays yeah. a part. It's a chapter of your life. Definitely. It's, it's like a pivotal time in hindsight now I'm looking at it. It's been uh, over really 10 think. years ago. It's ancient history. Yeah. Which is such a nice thing to even say that because Definitely. for a time that was certainly not the case. It was never going to be. It, I'd be happy if it was like ancient history in the rear view goodbye. I thought there was so serious... Um, potential ramifications of the actions uh, which we're referring to in the casino uh, that I, I it could have life would be over as I knew it 100% from like the uh, charges and the amount of years that you're facing in the charges the the um, exceptions and they add on like all these circumstances for these charges that they're trumping up and all this shit's like way fucking blown up when yeah sure it's a smash and grab someone fucking just you know got in grabbed some fucking loot and got out without any weapons without any guns that's essentially what what occurred so what like what was the what was the thought process in that um well one is in hindsight so many years looking back at it i always think like it's not even the money it's the bottom line yeah the money is like the the kickstart you know that gets the train running but the reality is the entire act of doing it you can get money anywhere you can get money you know um in (laughs) working waiting for checks you can get money sometimes daily doing little grinds nickel and dime do little illicit things or you can steal people's stuff well and uh sell it i mean so this thing it's just a heist like this, where you're actually putting your body into like harm's way, you um, are obviously potentially going to get shot by security or a cop that gets called on duty anytime at any moment. Things go uh-huh. sideways with something of this magnitude. It's over. Your life's over. You're dead, or you're going away forever. And in my particular case, there was an indictment that was dropped on my head um, somewhere in Humboldt County, the county jail. But that's after I had been extradited through three states um, about four county jails over the course of a good solid month that I finally got to the destination of of San Francisco, the federal building. So Humboldt County was only the last of the hub, even though things happened there. Right, and that's where the the events took place. Yeah, in Trinidad. 
from Nevada, California. Yep. <laughs> and uh, it was like Halloween, right? Was it yeah. around Halloween? Yeah, I think that was about right. I think there, I recall. No, it wasn't. I, it wasn't. Halloween was a different part of it. Sure, yeah. I mean, from point A to point C, Halloween was a night where we did a little uh, a, a, a run through, and really it wasn't so much a dress rehearsal as it was referred to in the fucking journalists and the papers. It was actually a casing out the joint, uh-huh. and and that entailed going in there in costume. Hey, how convenient! It was you know, Dios los muertos. It was Halloween. Right. Everyone's in costume. So you walk right in, everything's good, man. No one knows who's a joke or serious or, you know, out to get it or losing their ass in playing games. So um, disguise is on, and I go and hang out for like an hour, and then, you know, that's about it. I just sit at a table or two in my disguise, which I will never divulge. The <laughs> the, the fucking costume I had, okay. absurdly. Why? Because it's just... Absurdly fucking efficient and uh, <laughs> successful, obviously. Right. But uh, and that's a whole different story. So, <laughs> Cowboys, you'll see my affinity for the West. Uh, that's all I'll say. Okay, no um, problem. So, yeah, that was like a week before. There was there had been talk about a certain night, a certain night when maybe they had bingo, which obviously um, it could have been Halloween. And if they have bingo in a casino, I imagine just like any other, you know, sport of a game, chance, and money – it's going to make big money. They fucking... <laughs> it's so hard to talk about. It's just it's making sense. I don't what? Know. Because they're all looking in a certain direction? We knew direction. there was like a $100,000 in um, a brick alone just for bingo nights. Mm. That's like a nice little fucking... It's like a little tiny shoebox with 100, you know, racks. And so that, aside from all the money in play in, in any casino at any given time the safe has to have enough to cover every penny in play and not so much the fucking jackpot machines the pim whatever right. um, but in play live play tournament play cash money every dollar for dollar so if you think there's a quarter million in play which you know because everyone that has money that's you know they, they figure it out with you know the checks that are put in the chips and the, the point is 100 G's is just to play bingo and then their normal any night or day would have X amount and, mm-hmm. and unless the safe sticks around for like two days, which obviously would be next to ne- impossible because every day they deal with money. But right. if you had like a double event, let's say like fucking bingo and the regular casino run and you knew that would be the biggest take. The point of that is, yeah, okay, maybe there was a potential chance of actually doing the job that night on Halloween, the night of the, the uh, alleged. So there's, uh, you know, obviously <laughs> there's... Uh, it could be looked at like, yeah, it was a fucking, you know, casing the joint and just seeing what was going on. Or maybe I was going to actually partake and do the uh, uh, first version of this fucking heist. Okay. Which was a lot more simple and rudimentary than what later happened, which I'll talk about now. But, um, yeah, the first, it was just literally like more smash and grab. Because the costume on entirely, completely different. You know, the odds of like, you know, um, being ID'd after the fact was like impossible. I might get shot, might get caught and chased and thrown in a net by people on that night. But I figured if I did it, I'd be going, getting away from, you know, I'd escape. And if not, great. But if I escaped, they would be like, yeah, it was this guy. He had a fucking 10 gallon hat on. He fucking, you know, vest and his fucking stirrups and goddamn, you know, all that. But um, so, okay, fast forwarding past what it could have been. Um, 
that was just a prelude and like I actually at that point started planning um, what I had this plan for several months is basically kind of how can we get in and get money so of course there's you know the 100 G's and plus maybe 50, 60, maybe 80 G's so I'm thinking yeah it's a good 150k maybe 175 uh-huh. in in the safes which is the cage of any casino and right. so yeah so I figure okay it'll be open I knew that uh, basically the fucking you know safe's gonna be open because in the cage there's X amount of people there they never close a safe, obviously, in the middle of the day because it's just they're in it 400 times every hour. So, oh, you know, so they're coming in and out in a, a bunch. In, yeah, in and out, in and out, in and out. So, but basically the cage uh, is, if I recall, the term for like it, starting the whole cage that encloses all the people that are giving money and changing out cash for chips. So that's the cage. And then there's the room that the, 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 the safe is in which may or may not have another room. It's basically like you're in like a cooler when you go get beer and you're in the cooler of a separate part of the, well, this is like a separate secret room. It's like the safe room. So that's separate than in the cage. It's within the cage. So there's a little hidden spots, many doors um, in this like foyer type area that basically you walk in through this door and you look and there's like three hallways that are fucking intersecting. And then each one has a door. They all look identical. They all have the same fucking lock code on the silver handle. And you're looking like, you know, 340 degrees at like five or six doors. You're like, which one do I go in? We planned this. I knew this already. You know, I mean, I kind of jumped right into like... You just went in there. I went in, yeah. I mean, did you know what door to use? Well, yeah, I did. Did you know the codes? I, I did. I knew the code, but the code didn't work for some reason. How do you know that kind of information? Well, because there was a, you know, inside guy. I see. The, yeah. And so that's how a lot of these big jobs, I think, are pretty much handled. There might be a mastermind, which, you know, some would say is me. Um, yeah, I put ideas together and stuff. So... But, you know, the titles are nothing. It's about just getting it, getting it out by whatever, whoever can help, whoever has the skills and the cool, you know, everything. You have to have all of it, the demeanor, the fucking false face, and, you know, be able to fucking act a role because so this person that, you know, was the inside person did their job accordingly. Um, and they were able to, you know, give positive or negative, like green light, red light, you know, simple signals, you know, that are like barely even verbal um, to let me know with obviously the brand new Bluetooth stuff in my ear and never even used Bluetooth. But for this job, I knew I was going to have to because that was your first time using. One? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, two ways and shit. That's a fucking bust. You know, if you're trying to communicate with a So, yeah, a little earplug. And yeah. So, on, you know, I mean, there's other devices that you could do to talk to people like transmit um but again Bluetooth was pretty sweet because aside from that damn blue light that eventually <laughs> was a little bit of a, a evidentiary uh, item um so anyway yeah I went in and I knew there was a backup plan so this is stuff that was never in the newspapers or the facts so like the backup plan was not use um the the code to get through the room but actually just have um the inside man just click me through with the auto lock you know remote click doors open well that's uh, easy that's very easy i mean so you don't even have to deal with keys which you already have dealt with because keys you know there could be a lot there could be feasibly <laughs> too many to even fucking i mean you don't want one key, let alone having several keys to fumble through, especially if you've only used them for like that night or within the hour. You get the keys right there in your hands. You never used them. You don't know which one is which because several look identical. But anyway, it's nice to walk through that. Um, I forget what do they call it? that little intersection. Um, the whatever. Um, <clears throat> so I go through the door, uh, the right door, 
and then when I walk through the door, I'm actually only facing the back of an employee in the cage, one of the cashiers. So I'm like right behind him, but through a doorways in between us. So I'm like, holy shit, okay, I'm basically 10 feet from an employee. If he just happens to look left or right, his peripheral alone should be able to detect me okay. just coming through that door. Uh-huh. Now, his guy that normally is there, because there's always two people in the cage, well, of course, one of them's at lunch, because we already knew this, because it's at midnight, usually, blah, blah, or one o'clock, whatever it is. So we knew there would be one guy in there, one guy off the premises in a car, you know, jerking off, whatever. And um, so we get, I get through there. I know, I see it's only one. I make sure. Then at that point, I go towards, like, left of seeing the guy, and he's in front of me. Straight ahead, I go left into the, you know, what is the the safe. It's uh-huh. the room. And again, I, I'm spacing out the actual room's name. But So I get in there, and it's like nice and fucking empty, <laughs> other than a gigantic, like a six-foot, five-foot, you know, steel, multi-fucking-locked and secure safe. From, um, yeah, and, there, you know, I just go for it. I just grab, empty the top three shelves. The safe is open. Why yeah, not? it's open because again, they just the cashiers. If you're going to open a safe like that, every time someone cashes in or out or gets changed, well, guess what? That's going to be like 500 times an hour. I think I mentioned. You know, who wants to open a safe three or four thousand times in a few hours? At like uh, in a shift, that's tough. Yeah, yeah, that's I really understand that. Yeah, and it's like a hundred pound door, right. so they leave it open. That's so it. I mean, they got cameras right above it. Right. They got cameras right to the side, of which I was aware of. But it's impossible to really avoid camera and filming in this day and age. But even then, um, because direct, you know, other than wearing a mask and looking quite sinister and ominous um, and guilty, you fucking just don't want to get on. So you disguise your face as good as you can. You cover up with a fucking hat, with you know, pull your hair in, whatever. You know, and uh, so I did that. I had like a balaclava, whatever it is, a fucking ski mask is what I had. And I had that over my head, and then I pulled it down, but then I pulled it all the way up. So I, I did have it on when I entering the building. And, um, and then I had it on, which I had a key for. Um, no, later, before I left, I had to leave the key. Yeah, it's still open, um, the casino. So, and there's a plant next to the back door, and that's where the throwing of the keys was like in and out. That was a, um, where my gal, um, defendant, she was a handoff gal that basically had the keys that were the magic keys that would get through that whole cage and, you know, the, 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 the fucking safe where I'm at. So I'd pull fucking, I'd empty it, the three, <laughs> three, the three um, shelves about, and it was just... Now, uh, yeah. uh, don't mind me asking, if you don't want to answer this, mm. it's fine, but did you have some sort of container on your person I had a fucking um, what I recall obviously a black um, it must have been it was a duffel bag I know exactly the duffel bag it was like nylon I was trying to think if it was like a, a backpack <laughs> yeah I'm making and you know that in like your back pocket or something I had it rolled up like there's a nice like you know those little cheesy bags that you know you get for free like at the grocery store but you, it's like made of like poly- nylon or polyester it's yeah, like paper yeah, I know thin so I had a duffel bag that was like big but it was thicker than that but it was still cheesy I still had a duffel bag and uh, I just loaded it up it took like about I don't know over a minute for sure but it took like less than maybe 100 and, was it heavy? Uh, yeah, yeah. When I filled it up, yeah, it, it was bulky. Well, it was gr- way heavy. Well, it was kind of, it was bulky, but the thing is, the fucking coins. Unfortunately, there was coins in like multiple bags, so they broke it all down into like you know, not hundreds and tens and twenties. They broke it down into like cashiers' 
through this shift, cashews through the next shift. So there was several bags for tables uh-huh. and cashews. There's fucking like dozens of bags. And most of them had a big shit ton pile of fucking quarters that was say, the uh, fro- frozen sealed or whatever, you know, heat sealed with quarters in another part of the heat sealed. So they had all money, small denomination, big denomination, currency, and coins in every single bag that I oh, took. Wow. So I couldn't just be like, okay, great, there's some bundles, there's some bands. Fucking boom, boom, pour them in a fucking like lunchbox. No, every bag was like, and I knew from information that this was the case. So obviously that's they why were individually they yeah bagged. Okay, I see. yeah, like like one one bag had like maybe um, two hundred bills, which you know ranged from hundred to fucking dollar bills, and then it had like a side thing, like it was like a split in the heat seal, clear you know cellophane cellophane and uh, the neck the other part was just coins so i looked immediately i was like do i fucking like cut these no i can't cut like all, all these bags so i fucking throw them on there and it, it must have been like 50 pounds 40 pounds maybe it wasn't 20 pounds the money uh-huh. the cash and the coins it was definitely like over 20 pounds i had it and i pulled it on my right shoulder and the bag was obviously the front and the back of the bag was like airy but the fucking the bulk of it was like a nice stealthy armful <laughs> yeah, like carrying it you know around my ribs and it was fucking bulky it was like good. a football yeah bigger if you no, put it you carried it like a yeah, baby yeah. or a football <laughs> yeah like yeah yeah if you put the football between your arm and your rib carried it but it was obviously hooking over my shoulders so do you want to just make a beeline for the front door and I, just get but the hell no, out of there or? no not the beeline not for the front door come because that would be a little obvious but I went beeline to the side door the parking lot facing the ocean or whatever um and that was pretty damn much a beeline. And on the way out the doors, I had to, the keys in my hand. I had to throw into this like little um, planter box. Uh, it was like a planter vase, big ass one, like probably like 30, 25, 30 um, gallon or half gallon. You know, it's uh-huh. a 25 gallon soil vase with a big ass like ficus tree or some shit. So it was like major, you know, a visual thing. Well, that's a great place to toss the thing, I think. Um, and I knew there was a camera in the hallway, but I never thought it would catch actually the the, the motion of me tossing the keys it did. in fast motion running. Yeah, it got it really quick and blurry, but you could see out of my hand something like white in between me. The, yeah, and when it was like slowed down to frame for frame, it was just like a blur from my hand to the, and it was like even a reflection. I think maybe like this the key. It was obvious. Yeah. This guy, this fucking whoever it was, this mask security guard wannabe because basically I had a fucking entire get up like identical to their whole uniform mm-hmm. procured the day before from a large brand new um, mogul called Tarjay but <laughs> um, so th- that was a security guard outfit that basically um, they didn't even know after it all if like it was like a, at first when it first happened they had the video they weren't sure if it was a fucking employee they weren't even sure if it was a fucking ex-employee that had that uniform so of course that, yeah. all right. I would imagine that initially would be kind mm-hmm. of confused as to who could have possibly pulled this off yeah especially looking at video of it like through I think there's like 400 cameras it's probably like 20 rolls of film screens and all of it is recorded wow. there was just one little glitch um, to your point the beeline, I hit the door, and I made outside the door, and I ran down steps and some foliage to what was the car, the only car um, used at this point of the job. 
so the car is waiting right outside the parking lot. I mean, right outside the stairway from the casino's main sideway entrance exit. Um, so yeah, so I got out there. Okay, we'll get back to that of what happened when I started the car okay. and left. Um, but right here, yeah, the, uh, the so there's all the cameras and they see the key. So they know that that's a point the feds are looking, and they're like, that's a point where obviously a handoff occurred. He threw something. Something he had fucking was obviously given to this woman who somehow she's also seen on a scene going to another place, which was the cafe. I think there's uh, information on that in the, in the indictment. But, yeah, so my gal, she fucking went through... Played her role great. She was playing Lady One and just a fucking passerby through the, um, you know, a casino playing games. She was, you know, spinning the fucking jackpots and the, the whatever this uh, casino, the, the, what are those called? The, the slots? Slot machines. Exactly. So she was doing those and, you know, just doing what, you know, you do in a casino. Yeah, so, yeah. And so I'm outside waiting for, you know, like certain signal texts. Um, um, this is, of course, before it all happens. This is how I got a key that got me basically the ones that I had to use to get through doors. So, so she was a hand opera. She um, got a key that was in the cafe in the fucking vending machine, which we thought would be a great place because a guy, you know, the inside man has to go and get coffee or get his fucking planters, peanuts, or whatever um, during his shift. It's natural. He does it all the time. And the cafeteria, a part of it, happens to be off camera. One specific point. Well, that's convenient. So it just happens to be the fucking vending machine that's off camera entirely, which is ridiculous. Cause, wow. Yeah. People are losing all their money all the time, you know, quarters and or, you know, breaking in or trying to grab it. And it's like, okay, it's they can do it there because it's not you're never going to get caught for the one thing that has money. That's not a fucking, you know, slot machine is the goddamn vending machine. So people could break into it at will. But that's the side of that. But I mean, who's going to break into a vending machine inside of a casino? Fucking some hungry motherfucker. <laughs> and the all you can eat buffet is long since been closed. <laughs> so. I think I haven't stolen money from a vending machine in forever, too. But, I, yeah, sometimes you get ripped off. Sometimes, you know, putting your money in. But yeah. back to the real deal, we had to... Um, so, I'm, I'm, at this point, she's she gets the keys from the cafe in the machine that the inside man had placed there just, you know, five minutes before she entered, okay? So he basically goes, gets some coffee, just like these cups here, and he has the keys inside the cup, which he already procured. Then he walks from the office, which happens to be like a security thing, happens to be like a camera, you know, a whole room, basically a control room. And uh, so, yeah, he walks from there. All the cameras are great, doing their thing. He, he walks, gets his coffee, and he walks all the way back to his office. But while he did that, obviously, he may or may not have left something in the <laughs> vending machine, which mm-hmm. were keys. And then she followed directly after, walked around the casino, nonchalant, looking very, you know, as this is just happenstance. She's not a care in the world. She goes, picks keys up in her hand, and walks directly around in a circle, hits the side door the infamous only side the only door used in this whole shenanigan mm-hmm. um so she she actually instead of putting it somewhere where, where i could actually grab it she, um we actually do a handoff to make sure we didn't want any potential that the key got dropped or that you know i didn't see where the key was put so we had a specific a specific time um when I was walking right towards her, and then um, walking right towards her, 
from outside near my car, and then she was walking from the casino towards outside. So we, in passing, we exchange hands the key to me, which is great. And then she was already exiting the building. And a lot of these details are going to be a little fuzzy because it's That's dark. Okay. Yeah. It's totally dark. It's dark outside. Huh? Very. It's yeah. What it's, time of night is it? It's got to be oh, past midnight, guaranteed. Is it busy in there? Um, no, not really. Right. Which was kind of alluring on one level, but it was highly agitating on another because sticking out like sore fucking thumb when you're you know one of just a dozen people in a fucking place, but really crowded. Could have been way easier and blending in. It's a butt looking like a fucking weird security guard with like extra headgear and dark fucking ominous fucking appendages from his ear, like Bluetooth and fucking ski masks and everything rolled up. You know, you can't look that nonchalant. So that wasn't going to work. <laughs> we had to fucking, you know, um, wait for a melanite and just, you know, that's no people to bump into, no one at the door blocking you, no one fucking, you know, that's it grabbing your fucking keys trying to get a snicker bar <laughs> you know so a, a quiet night and i get the key i obviously go and do my thing while i'm in the cage filling up about 198k um and change she is outside changing in a car her car that happens to be the second car in this whole um fun event so uh, uh, she's changing into a, like an old lady or whatever just something that was not like the hot chick playing slots earlier she changes entirely the, the bummer is in hindsight you know she's so confident she was so fucking like you know ego arrogant like really you know a hot chick and she walked like a hot chick she had her fucking strut like that model fucking you know runway and her gait was one of the evidential one of the the, the elements of person number two or three her um, that was very distinctive her gait so even though she was in one disguise and then turn around an hour later she's been gone but then another woman comes in totally different one but wait she's walking exactly like that young kid and she could be 40 years in between them but that came to light you know they may not they probably just you know (laughs) threw that in at the end to make it sound fucking cannot possibly know everything about all of it because they're not in the fucking minds of a criminal. Right. But they have such a success rate because they fucking use all this fucking bullshit and muscle and then and then it's like they'll all the missing pieces, they write a fucking story in an indictment to glue it all together because before that it's like 10 speculations, you know, all this conjecture. The cops get together like, well, maybe it was this way. He had to, there had to be another guy. A guy waiting in the car. So, yeah, there's a fucking goddamn runaway fucking driver. And there's a guy in the fucking bank who's got to be the guy that's opening. You know, they don't know if it's two, three, fucking four people that is doing this job. Yeah. Okay. And part of that was designed later after the fact. But so, um, fucking... I don't even know. I'm, now I'm stuck somewhere between, like, in, in the vault and also hot in the car. What? Wow. What a... <laughs> what? So how the hell do you get out of there? Huh? I got out, and this is a good one. So while I'm emptying the fucking, uh, fucking um, safe, like I was telling you, I actually get the first correspondence with inside man guy. I hear in my ear a little quiet whisper, hurry up. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Because that made me stop. I'm like, dude, is there someone coming? Or does he see you outside? Hurry up. I'm fucking loading as fast as I can. I'm already sweating like a pig because, you know, nerves and whatever. I, I fucking run hot. But 
So I'm sweating, and then I hear him saying, hurry up. I'm like, dude, I already had it. I had to get in and out of there like 90 seconds, according to my opinion and mm-hmm. timing. And that was way quick enough for someone that's taking a long break, you know, on a, on a you know, fucking lunch. And so I knew I had time, but yet the nervous, I could tell from the voice on the phone, it was like they were more nervous than me. And so I'm like huffing and puffing now. So after saying shut the fuck up, I get the last bit of bags in there. I head right to the door, um, that this little room of the well. And so I fucking open the door. No, I before I open the door, I grab the knob and then I say, is it safe? Is it safe to go out? Um, because basically I didn't want the fucking second security guard to be in that very intersection room, you know, standing. Right. And so he said, wait or something. And then, yeah. And so like I heard him signal, it's good clear so I open the door you know no keys needed exiting and I, I'm crawling across that room so the guy to my left now the only cage cashier he's there everything's cool he's quiet he's looking forward away from me and I get there I get out the first door initially that I unlocked with the key and then I run beeline back um, so wait I, yeah I mean we already covered this where I fucking throw the keys so the girl's covered. Uh, so how, I want to know how the hell you got out of that place. Like how you, where do you, you, how do you pull out, and where, where do you even go? Okay, yeah, there, it's a one fucking way, if I recall correctly. Um, it was like the yeah, roads I know, I know where it is. Yeah, it's like okay, so I'm fucking. I already knew. I just said one thing: if I just get to the freeway, that was the only goal. I didn't care if I went north or south. You know, granted, I hoped it's south because, you know, half the fucking plan is ahead and it's fucking down in the, you know, below Trinidad, McKinleyville, Trinidad, um, and even Arcata. These are all spots that we'd have to be in the next, like, 12 hours to, you know, really, you know, fig, fig, you know figure this out, finish it, do what we had to do to cover our tracks, which, you know, happened real time. But, okay, so... I'm fucking, uh, dro- I get in the car, I drive up, I turn right, and then turn right again, I think, to get on highway, um, what is the Trinidad Highway? 101. 101. Jeez, fucking, the- that's it. So I'm on there, going uh, south, and uh, I'm, like, if I recall, I fucking, a few times before I even hit, like, McKinleyville, I'm throwing, I threw a couple of gloves out, like, on the freeway, and I was close enough to, like, the edge, throwing shit out, so I didn't have anything through the fucking ski mask out, and I made sure I was throwing enough stuff together, I think, that I actually could get it outside the window and not laying on the freeway. I knew that if I got pulled over at any given second, there it is, I don't just have, like, fucking about 2K, 200K, like, in a fucking bag, obviously stolen but I have mask and disguise in it. Yeah, so I had to, I tore the shirt off. I think I even had like, yeah, I had stuff underneath that I could just wear. I ripped off disguise, got it all clear, put it in like a fucking sleeping bag, satchel or whatever, and like had everything in a small, you know, football size, fucking tiny little ball to throw somewhere. Um, so, but I, I, uh, I throw all that stuff I can while I'm driving, and then I stop in McKinleyville, and then I go into a dumpster and fucking dump the big bag buried under some shit. So at this point, I look 100% normal, like a normal Joe just doing nothing. Um, you know, shorts or pants and a fucking, you know, sweatshirt, hoodie, whatever. And that's it, you know, maybe a baseball cap. And now I've gotten rid of everything. All I have left now is obviously a nice, you know, duffel bag that's loaded with cash. And I'm like, okay, what do I have to do? So I already knew there's a plan. And, you know, now in my mind, I'm thinking... Well, that's awesome. I'm clear. I'm free. And, like, I'm thinking now, God, those two are still there. What are they doing? Well, the whole plan is simple. She would just walk around. 
Um, she would go to the planter and fucking pick the keys up on the way out. But that was after she rolled around for a good solid minutes while I got away. She stayed in the casino on camera like, you know, the inside guy. So I'm already like 20 miles away, basically, all the way. And, um, you know, and I even, I okay, in McKinleyville, the other reason I'm stopping because the old storage place, which, you know, I hear is still around today. But <laughs> And I uh, had to drop stuff off like... Um, or no, I'm sorry, I picked stuff up out of storage because at this point, I'm like, okay, I'm going to meet my girl after I'm going to go get some pills at fucking, like, CVS. <laughs> and, um, and, like, they were fucking opiates, obviously, and it was a grip of them, like, fucking two scripts, like 180, 136, 360 fucking oxy-80s, man. That wow. is a fucking, fucking little mini fortune. I did have to pay for those back when I had a script. That was my fractured lumbar. Um, and uh, so I was getting the oxys, well, 180, I think, in a fucking um, a, a, a month. So you knew that you'd be away for a while. Yeah, because we that were... That was kind of the idea. It was a requisite. <laughs> did, no, you have a, did you have a place in that very moment that you were like... A destination in mind. Yeah, we did. It was far up, 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 all the way in like northern Seattle, like way past um, Se- uh, Seattle. It was in, uh, you know, past. Let's see. It was um, Marysville, is where the fucking place we were staying, the little tiny town. Everett was the town south of Marysville that reminded me very striking similarity to Eureka. This uh, <laughs> fucking. Everett and Eureka, it's like a fucking wormhole mirror uh, of the town, and that's all I have to say. But that was the county jail, so um, basically that part of this is that... Uh, that's where you would go land, in that, yeah, that county jail yeah, in Everett, Washington? In, yeah, yeah, that city in yeah, whatever county, Seattle, and uh, yeah, that part of Washington. But yeah, I eventually landed there after I was held in the Marysville County Jail, like the little city, tiny city jail, which is where they charge, book you, and then decide what we're going to do with this guy, you know. And so my the decision they made with me quickly was um, to take me, because they knew who they had, and they knew it was like, you know, that was a month and a half after I fucking did the job, you know, passed when I got caught. So a lot happened. So how do you spend a month and a half? on the lamb yeah. like that I, I'd be stressed out as, as as all hell like you must have been uh, I'll be honest the I was exactly that for about four or five days stressed out of my fucking mind all fucking roads were blocked all fucking windows and doors were slammed like there was feds that were actually at family at friends that the fucking crown vicks were aplenty in fucking bay area far up to fucking humboldt and beyond um and as we would find out later through several states so um hiding from everyone is easy when you're holed up in a fucking hotel room doing tons of fucking straight uncut fucking brown crunchy crispy fucking heroin and 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 yeah this is the shit it was so fucking dope it took this to make the 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 watered down nasty black tar and that's what you get with the 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 throwaway remnants of this just beautiful fucking where where did that come from pretty much certain it was like south of the border in mexico where did you, so but you bought it yeah. when you were on the run no i bought it that was another oddity i actually bought it like 
during this fucking ridiculousness. Like, that was one thing I stuck around in Humboldt for. How long did you stay around town for? Long enough to get that. And I think it was it was just um, a couple of days before we took off because... So I had to wait for guys. around town. Yeah. And I drove fucking between like Samoa, going to Eureka and going to Arcata. Like I remember one time I was so fucking, it was, actually it was on the way to get this. I had to go to Samoa, pick someone up, turn around and go way south of fucking like south of Lolita. No, it was about like Fortuna, I want to say, like south of Fortuna. Like on the road, quiet, fucking, you know, no one around, and I want, I had, I, knew, I had a good connect, but it was still shady because I had a grip of fucking loot in the fucking trunk with a couple weapons, and I was on the run, and you know, fugitive, numero uno for Humboldt County for a minute, and like, I was there stuck because of addiction. I already had like fucking a huge amount of pills that would last. <laughs> what they should last like three months but instead it would last me a month and then add to wow. that like two ounces of that fucking just beautiful fucking heroin so um, I got so that how many pills were you taking a day? <clears throat> well I, it's you know it's rough I mean I probably started with like one in the morning one at night then you go one morning noon night just like a meal and then you have one little midnight snack so there's like five in a day or four if you have a little siesta um, so basically I would say never really like over six or seven because if I did eight then I already knew I had so much in me. I, I, I was like, if I can't get high past like the third one, however you ingest it, which I was snorting it, then you're not going to get any higher, you know, if, if you're fucking, you know. So I knew not to waste them because they were fucking $8 a pill on the street. Sure. I was getting it for like $3 a piece or something from, you know, wow. because of our wonderful system and benefits that may or may not have been accrued from me. But... So yeah, I actually uh, I so was, you stuck around yeah just you, to get you, fucking just, just to score yep score copping on that and then once hit you, the road once you got it you're like okay North I'm gonna leave town now yeah was it like the middle of the day no we went and we went yeah it was like by then the next day it was uh, it was like morning because I had to wait until the first when they woke up to get the pills so I already had the shit stayed in some hotels some grimy shit in Eureka with the fucking Chiva the the brown the fucking and then, and then I remember just having to stick around Humboldt for a little while, you know, dealing with some other shit, you know, basically like tying loose ends, dealing with the job and, you know, just finalizing. So, but once we, I was clear to go, I hit the road and fucking, you know, stop maybe in, I do recall like a, a gold ocean, something in uh, Oregon and stayed out at this fucking killer spot that I've been at before. That's like basically on the coast, literally like hotel rooms, like looking at the view of the Pacific fucking unbelievable sunsets right there out of the hotel room very cheap like hotel inexpensive and awesome but we stayed there for a while and did got loaded off our fucking minds and broke the trip up to go to ultimately to marysville which is you know just short of the fucking north border of cal of uh um of oregon or washington i'm always fascinated when someone goes on the run and why or how come they choose the the place that they go to, obviously, there's probably a multitude of reasons. You know, why not go some nondescript place like in the Midwest or go like some unassuming place like in some place that you've never been before? You know, like yeah. 
Um, <laughs> you're not that far from where you, this whole ordeal took place. Yeah. You know, totally. It's like, like less than a day's drive. Yeah, Probably about a day's drive, right? From oh yeah, less. Yeah, if you're talking about the feds from, you know, SF. From, from that was yeah, yeah longer yeah. for them. But yeah, uh, we're, now you're now being yeah pursued by yeah. by yeah. the feds the from Department San Francisco of Department of Justice. Right. So they have fucking tentacles and officers and everywhere. <laughs> so local police are on the on the lookout. As well. Yeah, local. Yeah, yeah, because the media. Yeah, so local guys were looking. They're looking for but, three people or two. Um, at this point, they're well. They actually or just one. I mean, now the the way it happened was, I had burner phones with, um, the uh, the inside man. So, and that in itself was our one connection, our only way to keep contact with code. And, and, and over the course of whatever days, weeks, months, fuck, if it was years, we, we just knew that was our contact. Um, completely untraceable, not even in the names, obviously. Um, and, uh, so, um, I was once, once we made it up to Marysville, um, after a few stops, Oregon, having fun, just living, eating food, getting loaded, fucking writing, Writing and fucking painting, you know, just having fun, like in along the coast of California, and uh, so we got. And this time you're, you feel pretty like, yeah. okay, we're in the clear a little. Yeah, a hundred percent. I was like, hundred percent. Yeah, I was clear, hundred percent, because I got like a couple of like one or two positive like thumbs up, like in the course of a couple of weeks, which to me it, that's all I needed was like a fucking hey, it's all good, fucking coast is clear. So I got two of those maybe spanning about two weeks. So one a week average, which kept me completely fucking feeling at ease. And that's not necessarily good. You know, your guard gets down, you start relaxing. And you fucking, that's, yeah. No, please. You're loaded and you're fucking, you don't think about things before you know it. Someone's like sniffing up your fucking ass crack saying, yeah, you're, you know, let's get them. Let's book them down. I would think if you're doing copious amounts of (laughs) opioids and, uh, and, uh, heroin, like, you're gonna maybe be start to become a little forgetful or a little drowsy at the least. Well, you know? it works on people different ways. Um, forgetful, drowsy is one thing. That's more honestly like weed. Like with something sure. like these, like it's just relaxed and less assertive. You're more passive with like details and you know, but you still have to keep entirely on track and know your objective and this, you know the equation to get you there, but. But you're loaded enough, and you don't go in there like after fucking like shooting up fucking ten pills, or like I'm taking fucking like hundred cc's of fucking pure heroin. You fucking you plan it over the course of weeks, then months, and ultimately, I've had things in my life I've planned a lot longer than that. We'll say, but so you have a whole routine and a whole rehearsal down, and even the aftermath is all part of it. So I was up there and fucking barely right next to fucking Canada. I think it's like 10 or 15 miles, but I'm sure it's got to be like 20 um, from where we were. So I'm, I, I'm the, 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 the part is where it gets really bad is that I do feel at a couple points in the month following, I hadn't heard from homie. And that's when I'm like, okay, this is a little odd. It's been over a month. And then I'm, uh, I'm, there's no signal. But during that time, also at the end of the month, I sent some money, which was like a Wells Fargo. I sent some cash because it was a signal. Hey, I need a little, you know, a little cut, a little taste. So I sent money um, to kind of help my partner out down there. Um, I sent a couple Western unions, which if you don't know, that's, 
you know, money laundering, uh, essentially. If you put anything, any amount of money in and you, Western Union, someone in another state, got to be careful. You don't need that kind of fucking rap because <laughs> it's not even fucking laundering. You're fucking sending someone a goddamn fucking, you know, a, a couple hundred bucks, maybe a thousand. Oh, you you know, we do that every day, all day, every, around the world. But when you're doing it and it's during a crime commission and it's across state lines with stolen money, boom, there it is. You're fucking, so that could be, that, if that's considered money laundering. Yeah, money laundering, and that may hold up to 10 years. It's between 5, 15, 10, and 15 years of, like, you know, a mandatory federal time for just money laundering alone. Wow. Not to mention, like, traveling over state lines with fucking stolen money, which is another 5 to 15 years. Um, spending over $10,000 cash of stolen money. Um, that's another five. to So totally with the five felonies in the indictment that dropped on my head was... Um, 15, I mean, 55 years is what I was facing. Wow. But that's, again, I just fast forwarded to the indictment day in Humboldt County, Eureka. But what precluded that was the extradition all the way from Marysville because um, when I got caught, okay, her and I went to um, fucking Vancouver for a, a night during all this when I think I must have sensed things were getting bad because we went and really got fucking faded across the border of the country. I carried fucking weed and pills over the fucking border to Canada, Vancouver to get one reason to get fucking smash loaded off our ass probably it's stress release now in hindsight we go over there, get a hotel, stay a fucking like 24, 36 hours and it was fucking great, it was insane, I was also checking out like hey I could fucking dig it here, you know Vancouver's nice, I probably some fucking houses I was like we really you know, you could fucking hide away out here and there's different, you know, than going to like Texas, you know, you're out of the fucking country. So um, I wasn't sure about extradition of, you know, for crimes and felonies, but I'm pretty sure feds go get you if they want you, you know, and they have unlimited resources. They'll find you if you're just across the border. You're they will find you anywhere, even, yeah, and across the border wouldn't slow much. Yeah. So that's why I didn't stay and go, I mean, why we didn't stay up there. We ended up staying in Marysville and, um, you know, yeah, um, I, I, we were living for, you know, a, a while there after I didn't hear from him and I sent the money and I know he got it. And then, uh, I, so I'm thinking, okay, somehow he's gone. He's got to be busted or something. Um, but I didn't get any other warning. So, um, it turns out one day, uh, I am going to buy another burner at fucking like Radio Shack. Me and my girl, we go, we're in Seattle. I buy the burner phone and I'm in the Radio Shack and I realize like there's some guy and he like walks right into my chest area, basically invaded my space. He didn't touch me, he didn't bump me or graze me. He just walked directly and blocked me. And I'm looking at him, he's, you know, short, whatever, half foot shorter. I'm like looking a little down at him and I'll never forget his face. And, you know, he's the suit, tie, you know, any cheesy docker shit, but... Um, I had a funny feeling. I was like, well, what the fuck is this guy's deal? He doesn't look like a... He was a little too stringent and too, like, together to be a fucking undercover, like, Radio Shack guard. I knew this guy had stuff going on in his brain. Um, but, again, I didn't put it together because, what, I was loaded on fucking shit right at that time. So I leave, and I wonder, was he get, Was he trying to fuck with me? Because I wasn't stealing anything, but I was loaded off my ass. So I was like, is he thinking I'm too high? Is he going to try and say, do I have drugs on me? I leave the store, I fucking get the burner phone, and I turn around and never look back, and, and he, he, he's never around me I, that I notice. I do look back then, because when I, I saw him before I even landed at Radio Shack, I, I saw a black, something, a car behind me, 
um, before we even went from Marysville to, so I kind of was sensing there was some shit, some guy, you know, something, some energy, and I knew it when I saw the guy. I then I got my fucking feathers ruffled straight up because I was like, okay, this is a little odd, but no, there's no fucking way in the world. But it turns out the link that was actually putting me there was my fucking after four PO boxes or something, you know, from fucking Eureka to Fortuna, then up to fucking Arcata. And then McKinleyville, and I did the last three addresses like within fucking like three months. So obviously, if you look at that and you're like a Fed, which you know they have full access to postal and you know residents, I fucking it, I was bouncing around like a bunny. The fuck, and they're like, "This is a trail. We gotta see where this thing ends." Well, of course, the forwarding address after you know Eureka, Arcata, McKinleyville is up to Marysville, Washington, where we knew we can get some safe fucking you know, um, you know, <laughs> communication going, and no one in the world knows anything the wiser, but. That was unwise at this point. Um, and we kind of forgot because we, we were also thinking it wasn't just my life. It wasn't just 24 hours of fucking heist. That's all I'm going to do. And, you know, the world revolves around this. That was just a fucking job. Like, you leave your shit at the office. You go home. You don't have to think about it. Well, we also did other things. We traveled. We had fun. And, you know, we did shit, you know, aside from anything illegal. And so the thing is, um, uh, like, we didn't fucking... So what what is this guy like? He doesn't say anything to you, but you you have a premonition that you saw him before. Mm. Where the, obviously is he must be following you. Anyone right? that fucking walks right into your face zone and eye to eye and stops there, and you're fucking standing there and you're doing your own thing in your own life, and he stops and he looks you dead in the eye and sizes you up like right in your face, and you're like, you're fucking wondering what's wrong with this human? I haven't done anything. I was just looking, you know. But he, and then I fucking, excuse me, and walk around him. So I knew he was engaging me on a different level than just viewing me or, you know, spying on me or surveilling me. He wanted interaction with me, and he engaged me right there. He made me go off of my fucking route in person, eye to eye, to see if I was going to be a motherfucker. I'm going to kill you. Get off my shirt. That's crazy. He would just yeah. go, like, up to you and yeah. see if you might say something. Yeah, him, right? or if I would just be a... Yeah, like load out, like fuck going, yeah, you know. Like he was well, you can get a re- yeah, size, you know, a reading, a, a real read on you. Fuck like, yeah, like oh, who yeah. are we dealing with? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're like, and, and and the way they find it out is just by literally walking up in, yeah. right into your face. Yeah, I mean, he had nothing to fucking take me to jail for. What have I done? Well, hmm. It turns out later on. I mean, what did he have? Okay, he had a burner phone that fucking um, the inside man left on his table. If there's no burner phone left on someone's residence table after a job like this, what is there as far as evidence? I mean, if that's the the missing link on what set them off, you know, was information on a phone, which is basically, you know, 20 numbers on the phone, right? A burner. So there call, are 20 phone numbers maybe, on that particular maybe, phone. Maybe only a dozen, I think. It was a very limited amount, but more than there should have been, in my opinion. Because yeah, I would think it would only be one number. On that <laughs> Who the hell else is on yeah. that? Phone? Yeah, well, it turns Dealers out, and yeah, shit? no, but it turns out. That I, I mean, although he did some gambling that I have privy to later, um, it probably was a dozen numbers. He was probably using it because we had the phones. We didn't, you know, I, theoretically wanted them for just burns. I bought them like at least like a week early. We tested them. And so, honestly, and we've had burners several times, but you know what? You don't 
really just buy them like as you're going to a site, you know, as you go into a job. And then what? You undo them and they're not on signals. Their fucking batteries are not working. You realize you don't even have that, you know, it's like you got a set of fucking setting prior. So we have them, we work them, we run them, make sure that right. he gotcha. just ended up using them as normal fucking as his phone, you know, people, his well, people. He fucked up right That's there. That's a major fucking fuck up. So they, and how do they get into his house and find well, his phone? What happened was, yeah, that's a good question. They went right into the fucking casino, right into the fucking goddamn uh, control room, security. Where, where, what else would they do? They sure. get there, they're like, the, the, the fucking cash people were like, we just got robbed. The fucking teller's like, I don't know. The fucking, I go to lunch, fucking homeboy's here at the fucking cashier just doing his job. Somehow, the, we walk in and the fucking cat, it's empty. The safe is empty. And it was loaded with three fucking um, shelves of cold hard fucking heat sealed cash. So they, they call, they call the elders apparently and the elders fucking show up in the next hour or so. They're, they're fucking throwing their hands up. They're like, dude, what? Yeah, they don't even. So somehow the videotapes are like, well, show us the fucking tapes. You know, because like I said, there's like a whole wall of fucking screens showing every right. angle. So they don't see shit. They're like, whatever, it's fucking whatever. And next up, boom, the feds get called immediately in within hours. Well, it's a giant. This isn't something that ever happens in that part of the state. It's an out of the way, right. tiny. It never happens. It's probably never happened, right? Maybe? I, I think it hasn't happened, on, not on that level. In fact, I did learn later on of like 10 of the craziest, wildest uh, casino hijinks in history. It's quite an interesting um, list, I'd have to say. I was very enlightened, didn't know a lot about a lot of those things because, well, to be fucking blunt, they're fucking hidden sometimes. Right. They don't want to condone and like babble around the whole planet how fucking easy it is to take down a fucking quarter man, half a million from a goddamn fucking unarmed fucking adult game fucking room. Right. But, um, so, um. So I want to get back to that guy. Yeah. So when's yeah. the, you must see him again. When's the next time you see this? Well, this oh, okay. Well, the next time I see that motherfucker is, uh, I, um, this incident, this night, which I'm pretty sure is the night after the Radio Shack. Um, no, I'm sorry. That's so it. We go, we go to Radio Shack. I get the batteries. We go down to Seattle. We eat some fucking nice ass fucking pho. I burn my finger even, and during the whole night, I had, I don't know, I fucking remember it now. It wasn't like a third degree. It wasn't pussing and blistering. I just burned myself bad on the pho on the on the fucking bowl in Eureka. We saw the bowl. Yeah, yeah, in in fucking Seattle, Seattle. Not fucking Eureka. But um, so we we also see a movie. What it is, I don't know. You don't remember I, I the movie? I, it'll come back to me. Uh, I hate to say it was like some fucking rom-com. I was with my gal, of course, so uh, bad, bad review on that. I don't know, but <laughs> okay. so so uh, we go see that. We aren't in any high spirits, like good spirits, or we aren't in any low spirits. It was rainy. I remember that in Seattle, just light rain. We decided to go back to the homestead, and we're up in Marysville, you know, you know, half ride north, half hour ride north of fucking Seattleville. Her house that we were living in, the house, which is her family's house okay um, there's a split parenting situation one of them lives at that house of course her mother who has had her fair share of like you know near fatal fucking battles and uh, overcome tons I totally respect her mom okay we were friends you know yeah she loved me I I did love her uh, you know you know the guy I was with you know we had a good thing going um, that was unfortunately really quickly after the commencement of our our relationship turned to 
deep fucking dark use of substance uh, out of control which had never proportions that had never been you know experienced by either of us especially her because she really wasn't you know ever experimenting with anything so I was wow. somehow fulfilling some kind of like <laughs> this need she had uh, as you know she always fancied like that whole shooting up and like the loaded feeling of you know the whole rock star way I don't know all that shit seemed to really like kind of light her fucking fire you know um but that made it easy because she totally adored all my music she fucking would listen to it like endlessly when i'm recording she would just sit and fucking you know fucking chill on like me making beats and she would also paint fucking incredible pictures while i'm like recording beats for hours she would like go to the acrylics and oil and do huge canvases really shocked the hell out of me so you guys were like exploring your artistic uh wilds uh, all while be running from this man who's yeah. now uh, clearly following you. Yeah, exactly. We were loaded fucking beyond that night. Um, painting, both of us painting. She crapped out a little earlier than me. I still have the painting, like to this day, the one painting I happen to be fucking putting down that night. I wake up at about four in the morning. It's snowing in Seattle. First time since I had been going up there for like a year off and on. Several trips. So it has Winter Wonderland feel to it. I think it's in fucking... It's in December. I know it's in December. It's probably mid-December. Christmas is still coming. And so we fucking... um, I go have a cigarette like I was trying to say. Yeah, have a cigarette outside in the cul-de-sac right in the front porch like I've done a hundred times everywhere in my life when I've been smoking. Go out front, check the scene, smoke a cig, just go right back to sleep. In this case... Right before I fucking get the cigarette, I probably, you know, took a little puff of some fucking nice fucking Chiva. Or after the cigarette, I go and take a fucking nice ass Chase the Dragon. Boom, a hit of the fucking, mm, and just put me right back to sleep, floating on a fucking carpet magic. <laughs> so fucking high. All right, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that wasn't really the question, no. though. So I took, so I, so the, to your, to answer your question, um, there he is, like, I fucking, I go to bed, but no, before I go to bed, I go outside to the backyard and fucking smoke another cigarette. That was when I knew something in myself was wrong because I never smoked to. I needed to go for some odd reason. And no, I, you know, he doesn't jump out and say, hey, I got you. And I didn't psychically see him or anything. I just had another weird cigarette feeling. Okay. Like I, and so, so I go back to bed after that. But something inside of me was not necessarily 100%. You I, I sense that there's yeah, someone around? I did. I went to the backyard. I looked out and saw nothing, but for some reason, and I smoked another cigarette. I don't know why. Um, so that now one you night. really nervous, right? I did get nervous. And then I went back in the house. Maybe that actually could have been why I fucking went to the backyard. I was in the front yard. I just know that night so specifically clearly. And so I could have gone in the backyard because something in the front yard with the first cigarette did not fucking add up. And it could what, have been. Did you see in, a car or something? No, no cars. I know there was no cars there. It's just that feeling you get. It could, I probably had someone dead smack looking at me, filming me. I, it's obvious. Um, I just didn't see him. But it turns out, yes, they were. Because I go back to bed after being outside in the back. I fucking jump in, fucking strip down, naked, got the girl, electric blanket, everything's good. I fucking go to sleep. I fade out. And then I hear, after a nice slumber, I'm fucking, this is a new fucking... Uh, perception because I was out. I'm fucking dead asleep, and then boom, fucking bam, 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 bam. 
police, open the fucking door, we're coming in. I'm like already standing up, butt-ass naked. First thing I fucking do is I jump down, try to grab the fucking silver fucking... Um, Your work. The briefcase. Yeah, my fucking work. Um, the Halliburton, like, bulletproof fucking aluminum case. Well, probably not bulletproof. It has 183K or something. I think it was... Well, actually, no. It was a lot less by then because I had burned so much on fucking, like, bison burgers in Oregon on the ocean. I would fucking burned it on fucking, you know, mimosas, bottomless on the fucking, like, some penthouse um, on the way to Seattle. Like, we were doing it, living in large, enjoying burning fucking money. And, yeah, so... There was a lot less. I think it was about 148 or something. So I'm, we're talking, I think, I'm, I don't know. We blew, we blew like $40,000 $40, on mimosas. <laughs> he can go. Bison, baby. I, you Bison. Know, oh, a couple so that of, makes sense. A couple of hotels. Like, you know, we live in beyond still, Were you accumulating more heroin during this period? No, so no. You, the money went money. here and really stupid. This is where it all turns into fucking juvenile annexes and it, this reveals a lot about, you know, my mistake and mentality of that time. Sure. I bought a car. There you go. Yeah. I needed a car. I had to have a car. What kind of car did you get? I got a fucking Mustang. <laughs> what color was it? Not a... What? What, what color was oh, it? It was black. It was like midnight black and it had black everything. I got black fucking... windows? I put those in like the darkest in history. I fucking put like fucking <laughs> neon under the car, under the carriage of the car, neon oh. blue. <laughs> like, I don't know why that happened. I put in a remote start because the snow. I put in fucking the fattest fucking sound, dude. I had like clips fucking like 15. Dude, so fucking dropped this Mustang. It was fucking like you got that in Washington. Thousand decibels. I did. I got it like at this Saget. Actually, that comes to mind. Fucking Ford Saget. They had like thousand cars. I just wanted a muscle car. This car. I've always wanted cash. I bought it. (laughs) I fucking forgot my checkbook. (laughs) I did. So I fucking bought it in cash, which is a goddamn fucking imbecilic fucking move on my part obviously which is even more compounded with my idiocy because I fucking could have bought a fucking sick sweet cherry 66 fucking Mustang for fucking $5,000 I could have and it was so fucking beautiful it was like cherry cola dark plum fucking like a beige fucking uh, rag top and that was in a fucking oh Oregon fucking side out near it was like Grants Pass or some shit some place so far out in Oregon no one would ever find that car and that's why it was for sale for 5000 it was a classic it was sick but I didn't fucking buy it because I'm a fucking vain arrogant egotistical materialistic bum that was so fucking loaded I had to fucking drive another you know 300 miles out of the state to go buy some fucking redone because you know the muscle cars of like 2005 and uh, that are trying to emulate the fucking classic legendary the fucking Chevys the fucking yeah. well I got one and it was sicker than shit it was the best car I could ever imagine I put it together and it added up you know I think the 28 was the fucking car cost cash which would get you snapped anyway 28 fucking racks I draw for alright so you're obviously like you're out of my mind you're yeah you're out on your yeah. mind buying uh, 
you know, completely suspicious vehicles, tricking them out like you're, like, you know, balling out of control. Yeah, like David Hasselhoff, Knight Rider, yeah, I don't know like what happened. Buy the Knight Rider car. <laughs> but, and, yeah, balling, because, yeah. And, obviously, you're making it even that much more easier for these for yeah. these gentlemen to find you. Highly visible and highly ridiculous. Such a fucking, um, look at me, attention, which is, like, just fucking rule number one. I'm not sure where I went wrong. I bought that car. I don't know what I was thinking. It was the dumbest. You regret buying the car? Yeah, it was the dumbest mistake I've ever made. I'm thinking. $10,000. You don't have to fucking be any brain surgeon rocket science. Everyone knows $10,000 wakes up fucking beds. It's a fucking alarm. It's a goddamn fucking red flag. And somehow, I thought, what, I was above that? Or no, I just happened to cleverly forget it to put myself away forever. It was a stupid oversight. But, so when they're at the door, what, I mean... Okay, the cops run in. Fucking first First level of defense. They wake up. I mean, they wake us up. I fucking scream... Get out of the fucking bed. Cops are here. I'm like, one of my feet is trying to kick the fucking um, case of money, like, out of the, the couch. I mean, the, the, the sofa bed. It's it's handcuffed to the underside. I know that because just uh, 12 hours before, after the um, radio check, I was outside with no shovel trying to dig through, looking for a place to bury the money. Because it was either bury the money, but there was no fucking goddamn shovel, which I needed to get. And it was either bury it or put it in a fucking um, safe deposit box, which was right there where our fucking P.O. box was, which is what eventually connected me to Marysville. Because I had a P.O. box a mile from the house. Anyway, there's no shovel. I didn't get it fucking in the fucking um, safe deposit box, obviously. So what happened? It was under the fucking bed, which is another ridiculous. I could have had it in the chimney, far up the chimney, and no one would ever found it. Instead, it was right there for them to find. They wa- they, they're in me. Before I know it, um, I also somehow was able to put on fucking sweatpants in all of this. So I'm waking her up with the right hand. I'm fucking trying to kick with my left hand the money out from under, and I actually put on... Like the velour black fucking three white stripe fucking Adidas suede fucking dope pants. And because, you know, I'm a I don't want to be standing there, balls fucking hanging with, you know, a I mean, fucking. That I can understand. Yeah, the cops, everything. It just looks bad to get shot, like, while you're naked. It's just, it's not a good image. You want to be, like, all fucking decked out with your fucking vest and your fucking hat and all your shit you're playing, but. No, if you're shot naked, that's just some cold-blooded shit that looks, you know, it looks a little odd. Did just, they break down the door? They didn't break it, but they had their fucking little machine that, like, that steel goddamn fucking, you know, like tree trunk that they smashed the door right in there, right into the room. So I'm like standing there, you know, all my hands and everything, and knowing it's just over. And then there's like four at that time. Within a second, there's like four red lights, like just flashing all over my eyeballs. And obviously that wasn't like, you know, playing laser tag. That was a goddamn fucking like their AR-15s or their M16, whatever it was. They had the fucking heat at the head ready to just fucking pop. Um, so I'm screaming. Wow. I say, I say, girl, get up. Then, she's still not waking yeah, up? Yeah, she's just, she jumped up. Uh-huh. And then she like, and she's sitting there like naked, beautiful, perky, low tits fucking popping out. And I'm like, I probably said something like, cover yourself. And, like, she's all, can I, you know, can I cover myself? Something. I know that something happened because I, I can still see those. But the the blanket, she had to, like, you know, cover herself. And then, um, you know, I don't know, um, the fucking, the next guys came in. That was, like, the task force in black. Like, you see, sort of SWAT-esque, you know, black. The fucking helmets, the riot squad, it looked like. But So it's the morning now, too. Um, no, it's about four in the morning. 
Okay. Not sunrise yet. They fucking straight got me because I went out to for the smokes and it was pitch black, dark snow. What time was that? Like three ish, I think three three thirty. Oh, so that was not long after that. And, I, and we, yeah, right after I went to sleep, I just passed out, and then I just remember, do, 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 do. please search why. That was it. Those three words, and that's when I jumped up, did all that shit. I'm trying to fucking. I had nothing to think. Of. I, I I didn't even really realize. I was still asleep. I was stoned out. I, I didn't think. You know, I knew immediately. Uh, it's over. The game's they're, they're, up. They're obviously probably gonna wait wait till you fall asleep and then mm-hmm. get you when you're mm-hmm. disoriented. Mm-hmm. And you're entirely right. They didn't do it like right when I went to the backyard. They're like, dude, he went to the front, he's naked, has a bathroom on, he went to the back. I know that for a fact there's no fucking way they could see me where I was because I was in the back room, a knitting room with the, like, a fireplace, but yet um, there was no one little window, one door, sliding door window, which we never even used. So it was like that shit was covered, blacked out. So I knew in that room I felt very, you know, like safe and un... You know, no one would spy on me. No one could see us in that room. Right. It wasn't a bedroom. It was like a like a back room. Right. Was, yeah. Yet somehow they were somewhere in the premises. Mm. They bust in. Mm. They take they take you out of there. Um. They fucking like you know hold me stand there with fucking nuts in hand basically. Um. And they're like um, they're clearing the house. I hear them go yeah back bedroom clear. Fucking and her mom was in that back bedroom. Then the next bedroom fucking second bedroom clear. We got him and it was. Fucking brother, so her whole family, like other than her pops that lived off on a trailer, was there. They had taken me in as their own. We had great. Were bonds. they aware that you guys had, had done not this? A fucking clue that we even jaywalked or did drugs. Well, in fact, we even critiqued. We scrutinized her fucking brother for being like a meth head, and look what we did. That is never forgotten. <sighs> I was actually like judgmental of his fucking mouth, that shit to her. I was like, you know, buying it and like being like, yeah, we need to fucking fix him. Get him help. Get him help. Get him help. Deflecting. So what? I basically didn't have to get help myself is what it comes right. down to in, in retrospect. Yeah. So. Jeez. Okay. So I'm there now in handcuffs on the couch. She's there. Handcuffs on the couch. Her mom's there sitting in the fucking chair just crying. Her brother's like standing like on the sideline dumbfounded all the cops there was fucking 20 no less because there was like four or five fucking the first guy there was like seven fucking goddamn uh red red beams after it all when i mean i remember seeing them all over my chest all over the fucking room it was like dude not you know thinking you're gonna be swiss cheese i really was like don't fucking breathe even because remember my foot's under the fucking bed i'm fucking like putting shit on you know, I thought it was over. I was like, I don't even know. They're just coming in to fucking, you know, you know, uh, assassinate. So what happened wow. is they get they 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 get her some clothes on, and we're out there. One by one, there's like layers of guys coming in. First, it's task force. Then the next guys are like, no, the first ones are like city fucking cops. No, no, they came in after. I remember seeing some of the local PD. They had to be there. And they were plain clothes, like detectives. They had to be there because it's their it's jurisdiction. jurisdiction. Yeah, and the feds don't just run in and take shot, take it over and fucking wreck shop. So cops got in it on their fucking, you know, and then the feds were like in the background. So I saw the fucking goddamn SWAT nearly task force. And then I saw the fucking, the, the beat cops uh-huh. and, and, and detective. And then who walks in after a dozen of those motherfuckers in the far back, Walking with one other fucking suit, you know, total predictable fucking like raincoats, trench coat, and their their vests, and then it was fucking Mister Be- Beetle-eyed fucking 
Radio Shack rent a cop and he was standing wow. there just staring at me. I'm like, oh, fuck, that's him. So he must have been some sort of the head of the operation. Yeah, the surveillance. He was completely probably sitting out there like one of those fucking goons just sitting there drinking coffee, smelling his partner's farts and fucking listening to some fucking one channel. Fucking goddamn, you know, like <laughs> waiting for squirrels to drop nuts on their fucking roof. So it's exciting because they're there for 12 hours watching me anywhere, everywhere at a fucking house in the snow, in the dark. Nothing's going on. Watching us paint and fuck. <laughs> That's what he's basically getting off on for a month, potentially, from like November fucking 15th, maybe, to fucking December, mid-December. A month, he essentially could be watching me. Did, did he talk to you then and there in that house? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, he did, all right. He told me exactly what's going on. He said, you're being arrested right now, and they came in the open, the whole fucking money to cash him. By then, though, this is a little fucking X factor that was like um, fucking kind of wild. Her dad showed up like right about sunrise because we actually all had, I think there was some family plan on Saturday in early morning to go on a hike or do something with dad. That never happened. I'd met him before separately. Then I was with the mom and the brother and her, you know, you know. Okay. And then we never had the full family infrastructure at one place, so, one time. So this would have been the first time that you guys <laughs> family date kind of all together family thing. <laughs> That's not awkward. That's entirely not catastrophically <laughs> awkwardish. Uh, he walks into the room. Yeah, like as so, it's all going down. Not only do you have all of this stuff, the trail is up from this gigantic r- robbery of a casino and money laundering and uh, conspiracy. And uh, but your first impression on your girlfriend's father is that he walks in when you have seven well, laser scopes on you in the corner. Me, okay. And you're wearing your LL Cool J sweatpants. Yeah, yeah. Let me get, let me, refer, let me tighten the details up. Yeah, please. I, had I, met, I don't mean to make no, light of the situation. You're kind of hitting it on the head right there. I mean, taking verbatim and it, I can see the picture and it's pretty much game tight. So, I I see him. I have met him before, mind you. Okay, the, I've hung out with the dad like twice before this. Okay. I, I went and saw him at the fucking Puget Sound, like fucking overhaul giant shit he did with like engineering and and um. So his daughter and me would go and uh, I, at least once check him out at the job site. He's fucking total fucking like the um the the, the lead guy, the fucking head or whatever. Um, hundred guys that are working all hard hats and he's like the foreman it's like you guys go here this fucking blah blah, blah. they all have um walkie talkies anyway i know he's a shit he's he's a fucking brutal fucking you know he puts it out there he's not like a pushover you know he right. controls so um i met him the first time i ever met him was this boom i'm in the car with him he's taking me and her she's in riding shotgun out to awesome beautiful tranquil woods like for a hike or at, at, to okay. overlook and so it, while he's driving a car and we're talking first meeting, first impression, to your point. He fucking has me something, like, out of the blue. And, like, it's a fucking, like, I, I'm, I think it's a forty-five. It's a fucking nickel. It's a gun. 
a loaded gun in my hand that her dad handed to me. Like, while, you're in, while you're driving in the car with her and her father. Yeah. First time I ever met him. I'd been up to Seattle with her a couple times. I was already right. with the mom, already with the brother. I had met the dad. No, this is the first time I ever met him. I'm driving in a car. He's driving. I'm in the back seat. And yeah, his, Why does he give you a gun? He's, For protection? No, he didn't hand it to me. He, he had cocked it when he, he was driving and kind of showed it to me like, it was quite obviously a not so subtle fucking message like, don't fuck with my daughter. I have a fucking gun. You want to see it? It was very like trying to be threatening to me. Right. So that's the history I had with him. Quite okay. a fucking like direct fucking, um, not a threat, but it's like, dude, I see he ain't fucking around. He has a loaded gun. He handed it to me in the car. I'm like, wow, I better not ever fuck her girl over. I mean, so how does that play into this? Right when he walks in the door, I'm sitting there, you know, it's fucking sunrise. We're supposed to go out with the family, do this whole fucking, you know, unifying party fucking you know, weekend thing. And uh, he sits down next to me, like across from me. He's still in the recliner. I see him face looking, looking right at me. And once the cops stop talking some shit about what happened, and then and he walks in really late on that, like right at the end of the whole spiel about why they're there arresting me. What have I done? What do they think's happening? And so then the dad just out of the blue, he looks at me. He's like, "If I ever see you again, I'll kill you." And he said it so stern. <laughs> I'm pretty damn sure that's verbatim. Like he's like, "If I ever see you again, I'll kill you." <laughs> and he literally threatened me, and I was oh like, "Oh my gosh!" I was like. Shit, I, there's no comeback. That's it. Wrap it up. Applause. He he, he got me. That, there's nothing to be said. No, sorry. No, wait, wait, no. But no, he, he just said, I'll kill you. I'm like, resonating. Uh, nothing to fucking respond. So so where do you go from there? Well, I go to fucking Mary, Marysville fucking jail. But what happens is important. I, I fucking get dragged out to the fucking... To the fucking beat cops car. Wait, I thought this was federal. This is fucking like crazy shit. DOJ is fucking literally standing there. But I'm going to a fucking little shit ass little. Well, of course, because, you know, their fucking jurisdictions. The beat cops, they found at that house in our bedroom, they found a half ounce about of hidden um, fucking heroin that was inside a box, a jewelry box, which had all my fucking gold, like my, you know, 10 rings, gold, solid gold, 18 carat. All yellow gold, the fucking necklaces, medallions, fucking. Right, they oh, found your. Yeah, they found the all stash your stuff. box. Fortunately, I all did. All your valuables. All your valuables. Except I did have one or two things that I had worn that night uh-huh. of Seattle that I put on the fucking dresser um, aside where I took my stuff off and, you know, for the daily use. Just so happens, that's the only thing that they didn't fucking fucking jack from me and that was cool but um there was so much but the thing is i always wondered why they fucking take the all that jewelry was just straight rip off that wasn't evidence had nothing to do the fucking actual chief of the heroin was inside one of those like i don't know fucking uh, clorox cans or one of those fake it was like a little deodorant spray can Uh uh and so that's where the fucking dope was so they could have taken that but they took the whole jewelry and all the fucking so it's probably like you know at a lot of money's worth of fucking jewels and um they took that that was an evidence so my i was being arrested at that very moment for drugs and guns because when they opened the car which they knew was mine they had all that they went to the dealership they got all the info and i had it you know obviously dmv that showed registration it was all legit 
with illegitimate fucking capital to gain it. Um, yeah. But um, so they tell me, you're going away for drugs and guns. I'm like, what's the charges? Well, the charges is, of course, you know, drugs, maybe for sale, personal use, and then the fucking goddamn sawed-off shotgun and the little pea shooter 22 that I had, revolver. Um, but yeah, the sawed off that was. So I'm sitting. Did you in, buy that as a sawed off? No, shotgun? no, Did I chopped it up. up. Yeah, yeah, I caught uh, yeah, a little hacksaw. Took the fucking, you know, yeah, all of it. Had you used that? What? Did you? <laughs> did you? Did you need to use that? Had you used that? Was that like not should it not be us? So then, I actually am locked up, and then not to overrun your. That's fine. Your well. The funny thing is this little anecdote here. I'm in the cop car. I'm waiting. I'm in cuffs. I'm headed. I'm, I'm facing the fucking main highway, you know, in this cul-de-sac, ready to go to fucking jail. My fate is before me, and I can't wait to fucking get the ball rolling because I'm scared shitless. You want to so, get this underway. Yes, get it going. I mean, the adrenaline of getting caught, the fear of getting my head blown off nearly again. Like, I... I was like, okay, that's over. I survived this. What am I going to do now? Like, am I, have I just breathed my last fresh breath of free air in my life? Like, that was it. So I'm like, fucking just get me to jail. Maybe I can fucking get my way out of this and stuff. Because there were still safeguards in place. I was not giving up. I didn't surrender. So I had some fucking money under my bed. Whatever. Fuck, man. I've had money under my bed like that fucking numerous times. Right. Yeah, with fucking locks on it. Yeah, it's like anyone smart has their fucking little savings, their fucking rainy day fund. Yeah, you protect it. You have it in a box. You fucking chain it up or you fucking nail it down. You fucking put it in a safe. That was just my money. So that's my thing, my way of thought. And they're like, well, they weren't even arresting me because, one, they had all this money, but what could they arrest me with? They, they did not have the evidence put together or, as I like to say, the indictment was not written or, you know, like... could cons- Conceived. It was okay. it was conceived, but it wasn't fucking. They didn't have the story of what happened and why I'm arrested. They just speculated on everything, had a bunch of suspicions, and backed it up, putting the pieces together in whatever loose form they did. So I'm in the county jail. Um, I'm not thinking of anything other than God. I'm not going to be here for long. I got to be going somewhere. I didn't know if I was going to be going what to Humboldt. Didn't know if I was going to go north. So I fucking um, basically. I'm waiting there, and they're in the next room next to me, the locals. And so they come back to me at like six hours or whatever. It's like, you know, getting into mid morning. Yeah. And they tell me how much they counted. And I'm like, okay, whatever, fucking jerk off. What's next? They're like, okay, well. And then they basically say, yeah, you'll be staying, and, and, and we're going to charge you with drugs and guns. So yeah. so they wait at this shit, and they have that. So I get, I have to wait around. I get, in, I get to fucking. Um, the arraignment, like three days later or whatever, after I'm in the intake, and then from the intake, I, uh, actually the weird thing is the intake, like many jails, is fucking co-ed, and so me and my girl were fucking in the intake, and we were in separate cells at first, but there was a time when we actually were both sitting out before actually getting um, fingerprinted, before getting our pictures taken, before getting, uh, you know, talking to the nurses, so it was a communal place, and so her and I were actually we're talking. Here. Hmm? In Marysville County Jail. Yeah, yeah. Or actually, no, Marysville Depart the the the, the police station. No, it was yeah, it was the county jail because I spent like a week there. So where do you? What happens from there? And that is where we're gonna pause our tale here on the Houseless Podcast with my special guest Manifest. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed that one of a kind conversation, um, and. 
there will be a time in the future when the two of us can get back together and we will do a continuation of that. It was an incredible conversation and I hadn't seen the guy in a long time. And like I said in the intro, you know, we go way back. Uh, this is a guy I DJed for many times uh, during a period of time when I lived in California. And to hear him uh, tell the story um, was, you know, I gotta say enthralling. Uh, so, but there's a lot more to it. That's all I can say. And when the time comes, we'll do a continuation of that. I want to thank Manifest Pete Collins for taking the time meeting up with me and CJ. This is a rare one where the podcast is actually the two of us, uh, in fact, all three of us together recording it. So that was a special one. As you know, every episode from the beginning to right now has been edited and engineered with CJ. So thanks to him. Thank you guys so much for listening. This was a very special one. I know you might not be familiar with the guy, but his story is one that I think you can take a lot from. You can learn a lot from. You know, if you're, you know, feel like you don't have any options, take it as a cautionary tale. Um, if you find it entertaining, because you know Pete is an entertaining storyteller. He's an enter- he's an entertainer, and uh, and an artist um, through and through. So I know fans of true crime uh, stories and podcasts. And listen, uh, of course, I am. A, I'm a faithful, uh, long-term fan of Unsolved Mysteries and, and stuff like that. But in no way do I condone or advise any of the activities that were done and talked about here. I think there's a lot of uh, things that uh, he should not have done and mistakes that he made. And uh, I know that now, because uh, we're still in touch... He's uh, in a much, much better place in his life, too. And I'm very proud of him for that. I want him to know that because uh, I know he'll be listening. And um, I want him to know I'm very proud of him for where he's at in his life right now. So, And I'm proud of you guys for continuing to tune into the podcast. But just for, you know, live your life. But but do it. Just be careful out there and do it the right way. And, uh, and I'm going to promise to do the same thing myself. You know, nobody's perfect people make mistakes and um you know if you can sometimes you try to forgive them and and also uh, you know you continue to live your life and all of that also i, I do want to say that this is you know to all the people in humble county and arcada and eureka and mckinleyville there's a lot of people that i met and knew during my time of living there um that um hopefully tune into the podcast periodically you know, I'm sure that they got something out of this as well. It's a, uh, a cult-like story and um, that has never been told before in, in this way, in such a candid and revealing way. And I think that can only have been obtained um, through my relationship with Pete and that he's comfortable with me and that uh, he trusts me and I trusted him and he gave me an honest story from his perspective. So again... Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, let's play. We're going to play a joint. I'm letting CJ pick some songs uh, for this one. Um, out of Manifest Catalog. I know this one's going to be a classic. Don't forget to subscribe. Apple Podcasts. SoundCloud. Stitcher. Google Play. Wherever you listen to it. Just continue to 
and spread the word whenever you can. All right. Thanks, y'all. Until next time. Peace, y'all. I'm out of here. Out on down. Forces, yeah, trying to bring one down, many down, all down. Felonies to selling keys, yelling please, and hell I freeze without my urban melodies. Quarter million dollar bear, locked in the county jail, executed electrocution, no one's on my third bear. Locked down, 20 hours a day in a cell, 5150 contraband is found in my mail. Criminal tactics, mattress made of plastic, a mental disease needs a brain prophylactic, trapped like an animal. I manage though, I ain't a cannibal, but my mana vote is damaged, yo. Wrong for accusations and mistaken identity. I'm facing three strikes, but guilty, I will not plead. I can't even see the sunrise through my two-inch window. If you look into my eyes and you know what I've been through. Sinner or saint, art of war and war paint. Challenge me and you faint. It's your brain weight that I take. This is an autobiography of an MC. Manifesting the stress and nevertheless I win Z N D. Penance from a pen C, independent rapper to the enemy, enemies get chopped up just like men's meat, dens beat. Three decades, huh? I've been free, send me thriller for commissary. Now I'm locked up in this case, they say it's necessary. Like Jesus, Gandhi, Mandela, Mumia, and Geronimo, they try to do me like that, but you know that I am on the road like the Central Block 5. Convicted, but kept up a lot of government is helping and would like to see me rot and die. Like Jesus, Gandhi, Mandela, Mumia, and Geronimo, they try to do me like that, but you know that I am on the road like the Central Block 5. Convicted, but kept up a lot of government is helping and would like to see me rot and die. Lockdown, tell the cops to put the Glock down. Hot town, don't frown, or you get knocked down. Overgram, cause the shit is over your head. Meditate the Medicaid, only God can judge my fate. Lockdown, tell the cops to put the clock down. Hot town, don't frown, or you get knocked down. Overgram, cause the shit is over your head. Meditate the Medicaid, only God can judge my fate. Crucify, they want me to lie, take a deal, please, if they tie. Even when I cry, I stay real, G, I take this case to the box, maintain my innocence. So fuck your plea bargain, even if I'm in again. Suffocating, frustration, play your hating is on the rise, interrogating all the inmates, no faking, and no disguise. My revelation, I only got a little time to shine. So cover the repo, man, cause I'm repossessing all this mine. I got a stranglehold on my window of opportunity. Now where the hell would I be without my humble county community? Unity, a constant vague and unfamiliar. I would tell you all my secrets, but then I would have to kill ya. I crucify rappers, try to be like pop star, motherfuckers ain't never seen the back of a cop car. I'm scarred for life, barred with so much strife. Will I live to see the day that I find and marry my wife? Life ain't a honeymoon, I ain't a groom. If I didn't have faith, I think my fate.